Romans 12, verse 2, and this evening uh, in the series on work-related problems, I'm going to talk to you on or speak to you about career choices. Career choices, Romans 12, verse 2. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we now open the word, we come as children to a father, we come as dependents, acknowledging our need, confessing our poverty. We are poor, you are rich. O oh Lord, please would you open the truth to us, open the word to us, assist the preaching of your word by the Holy Spirit, that we would not merely hear the scriptures read and explained, but would have the veil removed from our eyes to see, to understand, and to find the riches and the treasures of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so career choices. It's a Romans 12, verse 2, and this evening uh, in the series on work-related problems, I'm going to talk to you on or speak to you about career choices. Career choices, Romans 12, verse 2. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we now open the word, we come as children to a father, we come as dependents, acknowledging our need, confessing our poverty. We are poor, you are rich. O oh Lord, please would you open the truth to us. Open the word to us. Assist the preaching of your word by the Holy Spirit. That we would not merely hear the scriptures read and explained, but would have the veil removed from our eyes to see, to understand, and to find the riches and the treasures of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so career choices, it's a, really it's very relevant and a relevant subject and topic this evening, not only for pupils at school or for students, uh, people or students in a university who might wonder where they will find a job after their studies or for uh, high school people thinking, what am I going to study and what career will I follow? I think it's very relevant in this day and age, and in this time especially, uh, because of the lockdown, not only in South Africa but worldwide, many people have lost their jobs, and now they need to rethink, and may maybe they need to find new direction, and find a new job, and perhaps even change careers. So how do you decide on these matters? And, and pe perhaps even you didn't lose your job, but you resigned because you don't find fulfillment in your job. Or maybe there's a lot of sin uh, in your workplace and people expect you to sin and you simply cannot do that. Or you're looking for a better job. So how do you choose? 
How do you decide what is the right job? Now, I'm going to give you four principles that we're going to follow to, to find the right job and to choose the right career. Let's read the verse and then we'll draw the principles from there. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I once saw a, a short WhatsApp clip uh, about a sheep. The sheep had grown up with the dogs. And you see this sheep acting like a dog, running like a dog, jumping like a dog, frolicking like a dog, enjoying life like a dog, uh, playing with the dogs. And sometimes Christians are like that. So we believe the truth and we live holy lives. We are sheep. But then when it comes to career choices and practical areas of the Christian life, then we think like the world. So in other words, our, our Christianity is spiritual, but it's not practical. But if Jesus has died for you, if Jesus has saved you from this world, then your whole life belongs to Christ. If Romans 1 to 11 is true, then Romans 12 verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your whole life is worship. It's supposed to be. So in no area of your and my life should we think like unbelievers, should we live like unbelievers, and also not when it comes to career choices. How do unbelievers choose a job? How do unbelievers choose a career? What are the, what are the main factors that influence their decisions? Well, they're chasing money. Many of them, it's just about the money. As much, as, as much money as they can make, and they want to work as little as possible. Or, uh, for others, well, uh, the company pleases. I don't want a company that asks me to work too hard. I, I just want to work as little as possible, full stop, whether I get paid a lot or not. I don't like work. Or other people choose a career or a job. I want as much Leave as possible, as much holiday as possible. And then others, they just want security. They want security in their lives, so they need a job. Well, other people, they, they won't take a certain job because, you know, I'm, not, I'm worth much more than that. I'd rather sit at home and let someone else take care of me, but I'm not going to do that job. And then other people take jobs and choose jobs on the basis of status. Um, will, will I be important in the eyes of other people? Or perhaps choosing a job or a career. Are there enough perks? Will I have a nice car? Uh, I want to keep up with the Joneses, you know. Will this job make me look successful and feel successful? And then even asking... Is this, is this my dream career? Is this what I've always dreamed about? And then others say, I took the job or I went into this, I, went, I followed this direction because it just felt right. And then other people have got a bad marriage. So they want a job where they can be away from home as much as possible. They don't want to be the house. And then for others, well, 
They've got the training, perhaps the experience, they've got a university degree, and this company that I'm applying, uh, I'm applying for a job at this company, well, they should, they should at least just acknowledge and they should appreciate everything I am and have. And I want to start in a place of man management. And then other people, well, peer pressure. What, are, what do friends expect? What, do, what does family expect of me? What does society expect of me? Uh, will they look down on me if I take a certain job? Or what, what looks like a nice job? Yeah, that looks really nice to do. I want to do that. But then seven wise people tell you, well, for these and these and these reasons, I'd say don't take that job. But they ignore it because it looks good. And then for others, well, they take a job because they want the biggest pension plan possible. The biggest pension Retirement, that's what they're aiming at. And then others wonder how quickly and how fast can I climb the corporate ladder. And then other people will say, will they allow me to still have my 16 uh, piercings and black lipstick? And if they don't, well, I'm not going to change for them. I won't take that job. And then others, well, I don't want to work for someone. I want to be my own boss. I don't want other people telling me what to do. And then others, well, they decide because, you know, the newspaper fell out of the post box, out of the mailbox, and it just fell open, this advert, and it was this job. And then three days later on Facebook, I saw the same, the same job ad advertised. So um, I know, it's a sign. I should take that job. And then others will say, well, I know I shouldn't take that job because I've tried four times and the doors keep shutting in my face. So now I know, it's a sign. I shouldn't take the job. Well, when you listen to those factors, not all of them are wrong. But if those are the most important factors for choosing a career or a job, well, then you're thinking like the world. Verse 2 tells you, do not be conformed to this world. Don't think like the world. And how are you going to prevent it? How are you going to stop the world from influencing you, their way of thinking and their patterns of thinking? How will you stop that from influencing you? Well, in the first place, don't fill your mind with the world's way of thinking. Their counsel, their propaganda, their teachings on radio, television, and newspaper, and magazines, and social media, and blogs, and just chats, and uh, talking to people at the braai, or talking to unbelievers, uh, colleague, unbelieving colleagues, or teachers, or lecturers at university, or textbooks, or uh, career psychologists. Psalm 1 tells you that you shouldn't get counsel from unbelievers. The counsel of the wicked. Don't walk in that. So how do you choose a job? How do you choose a career? And then that leads to point number two. Second principle, think biblically. Everyone in the world has a world view. You've got a certain way you look at life. For instance, an unbeliever who rejects Genesis 1-3 to as history... An unbeliever who believes in evolution, they will say, gay marriages, there's nothing wrong with that. And abortion, there's nothing wrong with that. But a Christian who believes the Bible will say, those things are sin. It's as if you wear, uh, you wear spectacles or sunglasses and the lenses have been tinted a certain color. And everything you look at, well, it's that color. And so what Romans 12 too is basically telling us 
throw away the glasses of the world and put on the glasses of the Bible. Look at life through the glasses of Scripture, God's view of the world. And it's very hard to shake off the world's way of seeing things and thinking about things uh, if you, I mean, we've, we did it for many years. That's the way we looked at things. And it's around you. It, it surrounds us. It's like oxygen. It's everywhere. And at one at a time in our lives, all of us lived there. So it's hard to shake off the world's way of looking at things and thinking about things. But now God has changed us. God has transformed us. He has made us new creatures in Christ. He has transformed us by His Spirit. He has, we have been born of God, born of above, born again, born of the Spirit. Verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. A transformation has taken place, and it's changed our whole outlook on life. And now we need to learn to keep on being transformed, the continuous continuous tense, keep on being transformed every day of your life. You put off the world's way of thinking and you take up God's way of thinking. More and more we are transformed into His image. Because otherwise what will happen is you'll work like an unbeliever. An unbeliever, he enjoys his job, he makes money, but he's not doing it for the Lord. He's doing it for himself. And what does it help? What does it help? You really enjoy your life on earth, but you dirt poor spiritually and you will be poor forever in hell in that case your problem is your mind doesn't work correctly and then someone says what do you mean what do you mean i'm a medical doctor i'm a lawyer i'm an engineer i'm a smart man i think deeper than most people you know no you don't think deeper than them you are living for the here and now you are living for the present you are living for the moment you are not thinking clearly of what is going to happen when you, with you when you breathe your last. You simply write off the Bible as a fairy tale because National Geographic discredits the Bible. But you've never, never studied the Bible for yourself. You've never really done research and dug into the Bible. And your reject, rejection of the Bible, well, it's as illogical as a, as a, a judge or a magistrate that finds someone guilty without there even being a court case. And to, to prove to you that your mind is not working correctly, well, I, I can show you that you are morally foolish. Some examples. You know that alcohol, drinking so much alcohol, well, it's detrimental to your health, it's detrimental to the happiness of your family, but you keep on drinking and getting drunk at every opportunity you can. You know that taking another man's wife is going to break up that family, and it's going to break up your own family, and it's going to break your spouse's heart, and it's going to break your children's heart if you commit adultery, but you do it anyway. And then you tell me your mind is working correctly. I don't think so. Jesus must change you into a new person. You must realize you are lost. You have sinned against the Holy God. You deserve God's judgment. So repent. Confess your sin. Repent of your sin. Plead for mercy. Plead for grace. 
and believe that Jesus is your only hope because only Christ bore the punishment for sinners on a cross. And if you call upon him, you will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if Jesus saves you, then you can start thinking correctly about God and your life and career choices and everything else. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You need to start thinking differently. And for that, you need a new nature. You need to become a new person, and only God can bring that change. And then also to, to continue changing your mind and thinking in a new way, you need to saturate yourself with Scripture with a Bible, like a drunk man is saturated with alcohol. It must control your life. It must control your thoughts. And so, in this realm, spiritually, the Word of God must control everything. The Spirit of God must control everything about your life and my life. So to merely read a daily devotion, just a short piece and say a short prayer, that's not enough. We must fill our minds with Scripture, read Scripture, memorize Scripture, meditate on Scripture, study the Scriptures, listen to biblical preaching, lots and lots and lots of it. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And then ask the Holy Spirit to open the Scriptures to you. I mean, Psalm 119, again and again and again, he asks the Lord, teach me your word, teach me your rules, teach me your statutes. Uh, statutes. Instruct me, Lord. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me your will. Do not lean on your own understanding, Proverbs tells us. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Let the spirit be your teacher. Ask him to be your teacher. Ask him to open your eyes to understand spiritual truth. Ask him for wisdom about decisions when it comes to career choices or to finding jobs. And then also start reading with this renewed mind. So you start by searching, by looking for Bible verses on the topic of work. That's not hard to find. You can, even on the internet, just find a Bible concordance. You can type in Bible verses on work. And you'll find a number of verses. And then study those verses. What does Scripture say about work? And then don't just, don't just study the verses, but continue Continue praying as you study. Lord, give me more light. Show me more truth. Open my eyes. Help me understand. And then you take these principles, biblical principles, and you apply them, in this case now, to career choices or to finding the right job. And then ask other Christians to pray with you. And then you ask yourself these questions. First question, is my decision sinful? So you cannot take a job that is sinful. You cannot become a prostitute. You cannot be a drug dealer. You cannot be a bouncer in a bar. And perhaps the, perhaps the job is not necessarily sinful, but it leads other people to sin. So in other words, you cannot own a bar, or be a barman, or, or buy a bottle store, or own a casino, because it's tempting other people to sin. So that's not an option for a Christian. And even, even what we would call normal work, normal jobs, can also become sin 
if you have the wrong motives. If, for instance, if you're chasing money, if you're chasing status, you want to look important, or if you have to neglect your family because the hours they, they're asking of you to work 16 hours a day, well, you're going to neglect your family and you probably shouldn't take that job. And then another question, will it benefit you spiritually and will it help other people? In order to have the answer to that question, well, you need to do research. You need to have facts as much as possible about this career, about this job. Speak to others about the job. Uh, read on the internet about this job. Um, and then speak to people who work in that line and ask them as many questions as possible. So, for instance, will this job or this career leave you very little time for the Lord in other words, your devotions and your walk with the Lord, your family, uh, church life, uh, taking care of your aged parents, will it tempt you to be unholy because it's the will of God that we be holy, our sanctification, that we shouldn't be sexually immoral or what other sins we may be tempted to. For instance, if you've got a, got a job at a place that, uh, let's say a brewery or a wine farm are you going to be tempted to drink a lot well then don't take the job and then also um, will it benefit society economically uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 7 that we should seek the welfare of the city where we are for in its welfare we will find our welfare and then will you make enough money to take care of your family and to help other people because the Bible commands you to take care of your family if you don't let's say you have no interest in doing that then you have denied the faith, you're worse than an unbeliever. And Ephesians tell you, tells you to find a job and to, to work honestly with your own hands that you may have something to share with anyone in need. And then also, will you earn enough money and make enough money so that you don't have to depend on others to support you and to sustain you? Because Thessalonians tells you to be dependent on no one. Now, perhaps you've been looking for a job for a long time and you can only find jobs that pay little they don't pay much. Well, it's not the best, but if I were you, I would take that job. Take that job just for the time being and then trust the Lord and pray that the Lord would provide you with a better job. Or maybe you can work yourself up the ranks and you can earn more. So those are important principles. And then also, don't, don't uh, say, I'm not going to take that job because there are too many unbelievers working there. Well, you'll have to leave the world if you don't want to mingle with unbelievers. Why not rather pray, Lord, please protect me against unbelievers. I'm talking about jobs where it's not blatantly sinful. But, but please protect me against unbelievers. Please protect me against Satan, against the world, against sin, against temptation. And use the opportunity because God has placed you in this world to be a testimony and to share the gospel with people, to let your light shine before men. Jesus prayed, Father, I don't pray that you'd take them out of the world, but that you'd keep them from the evil one. So pray that kind of prayer. And then another question is, does it fit your profile? I met a man, he took his son for coffee when his son was 18 years old, and he said, right, so what's your plan? What are you planning? What do you want to study next year? And he said, I want to do IT, Dad, computers. And the dad said, why? Why do you want to do that? He said, because I, I want to make money. And he said, why do you want to make money? Because I want to buy musical instruments so I can make music, Dad. 
And his dad said, skip the middle, go and study music. Because he knew his son is really passionate about music. Sometimes uh, it won't happen that way. Sometimes you're going to have to do something. It's not your line of interest, like building the walls of Jerusalem in Nehemiah 3, and you even have goldsmiths and perfumers building the wall and Levites. So sometimes you're going to have to build the wall. It's not really what you planned to do and wanted to do. That's not your line of interest, but it's duty. You'll have to do it. And in that case, you still have to give your best. What your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. But the normal pattern of things, in the normal way of things, God has given you certain talents, certain interests, certain skills, certain desires, and it's good and it's right to choose a career and to choose a job in that line. For instance, in 1 Timothy 3 verse 1 and 2, it says, if anyone desires the office of an overseer or an elder, that's a good desire. It's good. God has given you that desire. And then you need certain skills and certain moral qualities. He says, for instance, you need to be able to teach. So God has equipped you that way, so it's good and right to find a job in that line. Now, if, if you don't find a job where you can use your skill, perhaps you can start something by yourself. Just start doing it. Ask the Lord's blessing. Lord, you've given me the skill. Help me. For instance, uh, a family in our church, they won't have work because of the coronavirus and the lockdown until February 2021. So they can't sit still and do nothing. So they've decided, well, we've got the skill. We can make pies. We can make rusks. We can make other pastries, and they started doing that. And they're selling stuff, and that's good and right. They've used their skill to do something. Now, perhaps it's not the very first skill you're going to use, but then pray and plan for alternative options. Are there alternatives? That, well, I've not only got one skill, I've got a number of skills. And skill number one didn't work, skill number two didn't, but perhaps skill number three. Another question, ask yourself, what do other believers say? So if you're still a child at home, ask your parents. God has given you parents. Or if you don't have parents, or they're not Christians and they don't care, well then ask older and mature believers. And for the rest of us, that goes. Don't just make a decision and and go through with it. Ask other believers, what do you think? Uh, In the abundance of counselors of safety, we learn in the book of Proverbs. And that's one of the ways God makes his will known to us. When it says the renewal of your mind, remember God has renewed other Christians also. He's renewed their minds also. They also know scripture. They also know God. They also have the Holy Spirit. So then speak to them. For instance, uh, I plan to study, to do further studies, and I tried a number of avenues, and doors were closed and shut and shut and shut. And eventually this particular line of studies in theology, I really thought this is a good option. I spoke to the council at the seminary uh, or some of the lecturers. I spoke to the elders. I, everything was right. I even had the money. I, was, I would have been able to, to pay for the studies. And then I asked the elders of the church, what do you think? We discussed it. They also spoke to the lecturers of the, of the seminary. And the elders said, you know, We know you want to do further studies, and we support that kind of thing. It's important, but you will not be able to do both your work at church in preaching the word and doing, having other 
ministry responsibilities and these studies. It's too much. You're not going to make it. And, um, and they were right. Because someone I know well did do those studies and just could not keep it up. It was just too much. And so that was the way God spoke to me and said, no, you cannot do this. Number three, principle number three, make a decision. Two weeks before I got married, I got cold feet, <laughs> meaning that I just wanted to pull out. And I thought, ah, this is a big decision. And you know, to feel anxious when you make a very big decision, a life-changing decision, that's normal. Even Jesus felt anxious the night before his death in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, now, that was a bit different. We can't really compare ourselves to that. But I'm just trying to show you that, that people do. We shook. We, it's almost like we want to pull back. This is a really big thing. And that does not mean when that happens, it does not mean God is trying to tell you don't do this. It does not mean God is trying to tell you this is the wrong decision. If you have followed the steps I, I pointed out just a moment ago, well, then you don't need to question yourself. You don't need to second-guess yourself. Make the decision and go through with it. Yes, but someone says, objection, how, how do I know 100% this is God's will for my life? Well, you measure this decision against God's will in Scripture. Verse 2, second part, that by testing meaning testing it against Scripture, testing it against God's revelation, His Word, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And if your, if your decision lines up with Scripture, well, then it's good and acceptable and perfect. That's God's will. You can know. This is what God wants me to do. If your decision, well, it's against Scripture and it doesn't line up with Scripture, then you know. It's not the Holy Spirit leading me. This is my emotions, or it's the flesh, or it's hormones, or I haven't slept enough, or it's the devil, or it's the tablets, the side effects of medication, or it's sickness, or stress, or something else, but it's not God. Because it goes against Scripture. All right. So I'm trying to tell you, <coughs> excuse me, and make the point that we shouldn't be in doubt. We shouldn't become anxious if our decisions don't go against the Bible. If your decisions are not against Scripture and you have not transgressed any biblical principle and your conscience doesn't bother you, you don't have to doubt. You don't have to be anxious. God is not angry at you. You can accept God has given me this job. And then you do that job to the glory of God. And finally, number four, remember that God is sovereign. Usually, the Lord works in the ways I've just explained. That's His normal way of doing it. He's given you the Bible, He's given you prayers, given you other believers, the counsel of mature Christians, and all the things I've just said. Uh, for instance, I know a woman, she was a very successful woman, a career woman, a chemical engineer, and then she had children. And she decided she had to make a choice. Am I going to follow a career or am I going to give time to this children, these children? And she said, you know, a career, that's not going to last for eternity, but these children's souls, it's going to last forever. So I'm going to follow this. I'm going to be a housewife on the grounds of texts like Titus 2 verse 4 and 5. And that's, that's right. God led her in that way. 
Uh, but we need to leave it to the Lord to decide how he will answer our prayers. So you make your decision, Proverbs 16 verse 1, Proverbs 16 verse 9, but God will give the answer. God will direct your steps. Proverbs 16 verse 3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. You say, Lord, I've done everything you wanted me to do, but it's in your hands. And I trust you to answer as, you ple as it pleases you. And you know, sometimes you've made all your plans and it's not unbiblical, it's not sinful, but then God just turns your plans on its head. Right upside down, and he answers in a way you would never have expected. I'm going to give you some examples to make this clear. John Calvin, his decision was, I want to be a scholar. I want to study the Bible. I want to write books, and I want to write commentaries, and I'm going to Strasbourg, and I want to spend my life there quietly as a scholar. And so he went from his hometown in France, went to Strasbourg, but then... Charles V and Francis I, they were at war with each other, so their troops blocked the road. So he had to take a detour and go through Geneva in Switzerland. And when he got to Geneva, William Farrell said, Please, John Calvin, will you stay? We need your help. We need you to help us in the preaching of the gospel. And John Calvin said, No, I'm pursuing a career as a scholar, a quiet work studying the Bible. And William Farrell towered over John Calvin and said, God will curse your studies if you do not help us. And John Calvin got such a fright and he thought, this is God speaking to me through this man. And he stayed in Geneva and he did a great work for the Lord in Switzerland as a reformer and a preacher. That's like the Apostle Paul. I want to go and preach here. God stops him. I want to go and preach there. God stops him. I want to go and preach here. God stops him. And eventually God speaks to him in a vision at night, a dream, saying, you must go to Macedonia and preach the gospel there. So he had his plans and they weren't sinful, but God stopped them. God decides how long you will stay in a certain town, which town you will go to, and how much profit you will make. James 4, verse 13 to 15. Another example, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones had a very promising medical career ahead of him. He studied, he finished his studies as a medical doctor, and he was the assistant of Lord Horder, who was the personal physician for the Queen. And Lloyd-Jones probably would have succeeded him, but then the Lord just burdened Lloyd-Jones. I have to preach the gospel. I can do no other. And he left his medical career and became a very influential preacher in the 20th century. A friend of mine had plans to become, now I need to find the English word, I've got Afrikaans notes. Uh, it's almost like a game ranger, but not quite. Um, so anyway, he decided to go in that direction and everything was planned. Everything was to a T, it was worked out, it's going to happen. And then the night before he had to go, or very soon before he had to leave for Botswana to start the new job, God just turned things around, and God stopped it all. And today my friend doesn't work with wild animals, but with sheep, meaning people, Christians. <laughs> He's a pastor of a church. God called him to the ministry. Here's another story. My brother worked at one of the biggest companies in our country, Cecil, and he decided to resign. 
he's a chemical engineer, he decided to resign from that job because the hours were just too much. He did not see his family. He did not see his wife. He did not see his children. He did not have a family life. And he decided this, this is wrong. I'm resigning. He resigned. And he was without work for seven months, applying at different places, applying, 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 didn't find work. And eventually, God had orchestrated it so that a friend, a colleague, an ex-colleague, sent my brother a message on his birthday, happy birthday. He hadn't heard from this ex-colleague for seven years. And now this guy sends a message, happy birthday, are you still in Secunda? Do you still work at Sassel? And my brother said, no, I'm without a job. I resigned, and I haven't been working uh, full-time for seven months. And the, this ex-colleague said, oh, we're looking for an engineer at Hatch at our office in Secunda. Please, would you apply? Call this number. And my brother did. And as he went to see the guy, just for an informal talk about this, the guy at Hatch Secunda, the guy said, uh, the guy got a phone call and he said, no, I can't talk now, I'm busy with an interview. My brother didn't know, oh, this is the interview. Uh, and to cut a long story short, they were busy retrenching many people at Hatch, so there weren't jobs, but they created a special job for my brother at Hatch. And then a the last story, a preacher in the north of Scotland, he had many missionaries come to his church very often to keep the church uh, alive in terms of missions, just bringing it under their attention again and again, the importance of world missions. And so this day there was a guy preaching a missionary, and the guy spoke about South Korea, a uh, lot, lot of talking about Korea. And man, he sat there burdened, really burdened. He said, oh, this is so weighing on me, Korea. Should I go to Korea? Lord, are you trying to tell me something? And so he did something I don't think we should do, um, but God is gracious and merciful. He works through our mistakes. But he said, Lord, give me a sign. Give me a sign if I should go to Korea. And I'm going to explain now why I say we shouldn't do that. He asked for a sign and said, Lord, if I should go to Korea, let someone say the word Korea to me tomorrow morning. Uh, or not tomorrow morning, tomorrow, Monday. And he knew he was going on leave, on holiday that Monday, so he wouldn't see any of the church members on that Monday. And so Monday they left on holiday, and the first night he stayed at a friend's house, a, a colleague, a fellow pastor. And this pastor, he told him about the burden, but he did not mention the, the name of the country. And his friend laughed and said, maybe the Lord wants you to go to Korea. All right. He went to Korea. When he got to Korea, they asked him, please, they heard him preach, please will you teach us expository preaching? We've been praying about this, and he... And after some discussion, he found out that those pastors started praying very earnestly about the matter the very month the missionary preached at his church and spoke about Korea. All right, so that last example, I think sometimes it's a, it's a sign of faith when we 